0: Amen. Hey, brother Nick, turn this one down for me a little bit, brother. There you go. About six, Lord, you got them all. All right. Anybody can, you can. Hallelujah. You know what I determined while I was on vacation? Thank you, Joan. Let me tell you what I determined while I was on vacation. What I determined while I was on vacation is that I have a desire to be more like Jesus. And I've also determined that that's the call on every Christian's life to become more like Jesus. So I want to ask you, are you the me you want to be? What is it about your life That you'd like to change. I'd venture to say that there's probably something in every single life in this room that we'd like to change. Maybe it's that you want to be closer to God. Maybe it's that you want to be more effective for his service. Maybe it's that you want to be a better parent. Maybe it's that you want to be wealthier. Any of those in here? There's two, three that are telling the truth. The rest of you four or five of us, rest of you sinners. <laughs> Maybe it's some of us want to be healthier. Anybody here want to be healthier? Uh-huh, now we're telling the truth. Hallelujah. Maybe it's that we want to be wiser. Anybody in here want to be wiser? There we go. There's probably something in every life that we want to change. And you know, all of my life, I've heard Christians say, Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed my life. And I wonder, though, how? How? Give me the details. Give me the nuts and bolts. Tell me, how does Jesus change my life? Does he do some kind of surgery? Does he brainwash me somehow and cause me to change? Does he miraculously zap me? And then all of a sudden become more like Jesus. There's a whole lot of confusing advice out there about how you and I are to become more like Christ. Some people say this. Listen, Brother Bill, just wait on the Lord. He'll change you. Other people say, if it's going to be, then it's up to me wonder which one's right. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do in order to become more like my savior? Is it all up to me? Is it all up to God? Or is it a combination of the two? Well, when it becomes when it comes to becoming more like Jesus, the fact is this. God has a part and you have a part. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, Paul uses two phrases that explain it really good. And I'm going to share that with you now. In Philippians chapter 2, in verse 12, Paul writes, and he's writing to Christians, okay? He's writing to Christians like me and you who want to be more like Jesus. And here's what he says. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but not much more in my absence Work out. Say work out. out. We're going to the gym this morning. We're going to work out. Amen. Say amen. 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 Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in. Say works in. Works in in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things. How many things? All. All things without complaining and disputing, that you may become, say become, Become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life. Let us pray. Father, the first thing that you do in a life of a Christian when we come to the realization that Jesus has saved us is you give us the desire to be more like him. Lord, I pray that your message this morning enables us to do that a little more easily. For your glory alone, and in Jesus' name we pray it, and all God's people say it. Amen. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. You should take your pencil and and underline those words in your Bible. Yes, you can write in your Bible. I want you to see how much I write in my Bible. Take your pencil and write in your Bible and underline work out in verse 12 and work in in verse 13. Because work out is your part. Say my part. Working out is your part. Working in is God's part. Say God's part. God's part. So if we're going to change, we must work out what God is working in. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? We must work out what God is working in. But I want you to notice. Notice what he says in verse 12 after work out. He says, work out your own salvation. Your own salvation. Can I tell you that God wants you to take personal responsibility for your own salvation? He wants you to take personal responsibility for your own growth. You can't be saved on your own, but he wants you to take responsibility for your own growth after you're saved. He doesn't want you to be me. He don't want me to be you. He wants you to be you, but he wants you to take responsibility for your own growth. Then notice what he says. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. Now, Christians have no need to fear God in terms of being afraid of God. What that means, that fear and trembling... That was a phrase used in biblical times that used to describe someone who gave their absolute utmost to fulfill God's desires for their life. So if you were doing something with fear and trembling, you're giving it your all. You're placing that as your number one priority. He's number one. Your service to him is number one in your life. Worshiping God is number one in your life. You're doing it. You're living your life in fear and trembling. Of the Lord. And that's a good thing. God simply wants you to take your spiritual growth. He simply wants you to take becoming more like Jesus seriously. And if you're not taking it seriously, then you'll never become more like Jesus. There is simply nothing that's more important than your own spiritual growth. It's up to you, friend. For it is God who works in you. Now we're shifting gears and we're seeing God's part. Works in, for it is God who works in you. Now that phrase, works in, that means literally gives energy. For it is God who gives you the energy to work out your own salvation. God is the energizer for change. God is the energizer to help you to become more like Jesus. He's the one that will give you the energy to work out. Your own salvation. God says, I'll give you the power to do what I know you want to do. I'll give you the power to do what I know you need to do. I'll give you the power to do what I know you know is right to do. He says he'll give us the power. He'll say, I'll empower you to do it. I'll energize you to do it. I'll give you the desire. I'll give you the ability to change as long as you'll surrender to me. So, to help us become more like Jesus, today we're going to look at three tools that God uses to bring change into our life, and then we're going to look at three choices that you and I need to make in order to become more like Jesus, to become the me I want to be. First, let's look at God's part in changing me. God's part in changing me involves three tools Three tools that he uses, and the first tool is actually pretty simple, because God uses the Bible. He uses the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 informs us that the whole Bible, the entire Bible, was given to us by inspiration of God, useful to teach us what's right, useful to make us realize what's not right in our lives, useful to tell us how to get right, and useful to show us how to stay right. That's what the Word of God can do in your life. You see, the Bible, friend, changes our thoughts. The Bible will change how you think about the world you live in, how you you think about other people, how you think about God. So we ought to read it. We ought to read it. We ought to study it. Memorize portions of it. Like Brother Chad said in our Sunday school, you can't memorize the whole thing, but you can memorize the things that are appropriate in your life. Memorize it. And most of all, Live it out. A whole bunch of head knowledge has got no use in a life that's not being lived for the Lord. So we've got to read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, and then live it out in our daily lives. Because let me tell you this, the more you get God's word into your life, really into your life, the more like Jesus you're going to become. The more like him you're going to become. So God definitely uses the Bible. There's a second tool. Second tool that God uses to help us become more like Jesus, and that is His Holy Spirit. He actually sends His Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is God Himself in spirit form. It's not some complex issue. He gives us the Spirit or Himself in spirit form, and when we surrender, that's one of my new my new words for 2011. Thanks to Miss Wendy. Uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, teaching me that I need to surrender. Because when we surrender our lives to Jesus, then and then only will God put His Spirit into our life and give us the power we need for change. But if you're going to be headstrong and you're going to walk your own way, guess what? You ain't going to have no power for change. So we have to surrender to the Spirit first. The Bible teaches this, that as the Spirit of the Lord works in us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even More. Wow. See, that's God's number one purpose for you. God's number one purpose for you ain't to make you happy. How many of you know that? Raise your hand. God's number one purpose for you is not to make you happy. God's number one purpose for you is to make you more like Jesus. To make you more like His Son. In fact, when God first formed the world, He said, let us make man in our image. And he's been trying to do the same, that very same thing, all since time. Let us make man in our image. Wanting to do that every since. That's his ultimate goal to change you, help you to become more like Jesus. Unfortunately, we have a problem. Unfortunately, we don't always follow God's plan. So often, God has to use a third tool. When we don't follow his word, whoop. When we don't follow his word, when we don't follow his spirit's leadership, when we fail to surrender, then God uses a third tool. And that third tool is circumstances. Your circumstances. Problems. Pressure. Stress. Headaches difficulties. All those things seem to really get our attention, don't they? But we have to remember what God says about our circumstances because the Bible teaches us that Christians can be absolutely assured of this that somehow, in some way, all things, say all things all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Come on. All things. Why? Because God wants you to be transformed to be like His Son. So He's going to use all those things for His glory. And that's good, amen? That's good, amen? You want to make sure? You see, nothing can come into the life of a believer. Nothing can come into the life of a believer without God's permission. Did you know that? Nothing can happen in your life. Nothing can go on in your life without God's permission. And God's going to take it whether we deem it good or bad and he's going to take it and he's going to make it good. Now, God says I use my word, I use my Holy Spirit and when those things don't work I'm going to use circumstances because I want you to be more like my son. Let me give you an example. The Bible tells us that we ought to be humble. Be humble for before honor comes humility. So we read about being humble, amen? We read about being humble, and we say, okay, uh, I I need the power to let go of my ego problem. I need the power to let go of this pride issue I've got in my life, but um, I don't do it. God's told me. He's given me the power to do it, but I don't surrender to the Spirit And I don't heed his word. And so if we don't humble ourselves. According to God's word. Can I tell you he may humble you. Through your circumstances. Sadly. We rarely change. Until we get desperate. Sadly. We rarely change. Until we start feeling the heat. And when the heat comes on. Something's going to happen. Some kind of change is going to occur. And so sometimes God brings some heat. He brings some heat into our lives to say this. Son, daughter, listen to me. I'm calling you to do something. Do something. I want you to change. I don't want you living your life in a rut. Because you heard what a rut is, right? A rut is a grave with the ends kicked out. He says, I don't want you being living dead. I don't want you living in a rut. I don't want you living in the grave. I want you to live a changed life becoming more like my son because I know that's the best thing for you. And so God uses three tools. He uses his word. He uses his spirit. And he uses your circumstances in, in order to get you to change and become more like his son so that being the case if that's god's part what's my part what's my part what am i supposed to do well my part in changing me my part in making me the me i want to be involves three choices three choices Three choices that will help me to become more like Jesus. Three choices that will help me to change for the glory of God. The first of which, I can choose what I think about. I can choose what I think about. You and I both know that growth don't come all by itself. Growth does not come automatically. Change is a matter of choice. You choose whether you're going to change or not. I can choose what I think about. I can choose what I think about. And we need to be careful about what we think about. Because our lives are actually shaped by our thoughts. Think about that. Our thoughts don't just direct your life. Your thoughts are your life. Your thoughts are so important. How you think is so important. I mean, if we could look up on on the screen and we could see all the things that you're thinking about right now like that fried chicken dinner while Brother Bill's preaching or what about those other things that you think about in the course of your week those things don't just direct your life in all reality they are your life so whatever change you want to make whatever change you want to make in your life it starts with the way you think it starts with your thoughts And the Bible teaches us that a Christian's attitudes and a Christian's thoughts are constantly being changed for the better according to God's righteousness and God's holiness. We ought to be constantly changing the way we think. And change always begins with new thinking. Even the Bible, the Bible word for change is repentance. Repentance in the Bible simply means to change my mind. Changed my mind about something. When I repented, I changed the way I thought about God. When I repented, I changed the way I thought about myself. I changed the way I thought about the world. I changed the way I thought about other people. When I became a Christian, I began to see things a little bit differently. Instead of copying the ways and the behaviors of the world, I let God transform the way I thought by changing the way I think. He changed my life by changing the way I think. So if you want to be changed, the Bible says, start by renewing your mind, thinking new thoughts. And that's what repentance is. Think about it. Think about this. There's absolutely no action that doesn't first come with a thought. Nothing you do comes Without you having at least thought about it, however brief it may have been, without you thinking about it first. If you're acting depressed, it's probably because you're feeling depressed. And if you're feeling depressed, it's probably because you've been thinking some depressing thoughts. So, what do we got to do? Got to change the way we think. Suppose. How do I do that? Well, let me illustrate. Suppose you're driving a speedboat down the Tennessee River. You're heading east, and you set the autopilot to continue heading east. Then you all of a sudden decide, okay, I want to change. I want to change, and I want to go west. I want to change my direction. I want to go the other way. So how do I do that? Well, there's two ways you can do that. One is the autopilot's already set. So I can take that wheel by by my hands, and I can turn it. And I can start going the other way. And I'm holding on to that steering wheel. That autopilot's still on, but I'm heading west. And then all of a sudden, what happens? I start getting tired. I start growing weary of holding it against its will. And I let go. And off the diet I go. Right back into the smoking I go. Right back into looking on the computer at things I ain't got no business. Right back in that behavior I go. My point is this. Sheer willpower, don't cut it. You've got to have something more than willpower in order to change. Bible says the change starts in your mind. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what do I got to do? Well, I got to change the autopilot, right? Right. I got to change the autopilot from heading east to heading west. What is that? When I change the autopilot, direction comes easy. The change becomes easy. So what's my autopilot? Well, your autopilot is this. It's kind of one sentence. And you need to finish this sentence in your own life. It's just like me. To be blank. It's just like me to be angry all the time. It's just like me to cuss all the time when I get mad. I see you smiling. It's just like me to be sarcastic to people. It's just like me to be mean. It's just like me to be a self-centered person. It's just like me to be bitter. It's just like me to be unforgiving. You see, that's kind of your autopilot. And that's that autopilot that needs to change. So what do you need to do? If you want to change that autopilot, you've got to get in God's word and find out what the correct direction is. To be better, not bitter. Forgiving, not unforgiving. To be kind, not mean. To be other-centered, not self-centered. Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who meditates on God's Word. Philippians 4, 8 says, Think on these things. Listen to the things that God wants you to think about. He says, Think about the things that are true. Things that are noble. Things that are just. Things that are pure. Things that are lovely. Things that are of good rapport. Things of virtue. If there's anything that's praiseworthy, think on these things. It all begins with your thoughts. Colossians chapter 3 says, Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Psalm 119 says, Your word, Lord, is hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Got to change the way we think. So the first choice that we make to help us become more like Jesus is we got to change our thoughts. Think about the word of God. But there's a second choice you need to make. The second choice is you can choose to depend on God's spirit moment by moment. Now here's where the power comes in. Everybody needs some power, amen? Everybody needs some power. John 15 teaches us that a branch cannot bear fruit all by itself. As branches, we've got to be connected to the vine. God is our power source. And if you're not connected to God, you ain't got no power. You've got to be connected to the vine. Jesus says that's the way we have to be with God. we got to be plugged in. Whether that be through worship, through Sunday school, through service, through Bible study, through prayer, you got to be plugged in if you need some power for changing to be more like Jesus. When you're plugged into God, then you got the power, amen? you got the power. I mean, how silly would it be If I planted an old dead tree, and then about harvest time, I went over there and tied some apples to it. Is that stupid or what? Are y'all calling me stupid? That's pretty stupid. But you know what? That's what Christians do all the time. That's right. They're not living the life. They're living a life Monday through Saturday the way they want to live it. Then they come and they tie an old apple to the tree on Sunday. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, I got my own business on that one. They're trying to tie good works into their life to make it look like they're Christians. And then you know what they say Monday? Oh man, went to church on Sunday, tied me a good work on my dead tree. Man, come on, wow! But you know they ain't making no progress, are they? It's all a lie. It's a deception. Because you've got to have the power. You've got to be plugged into the vine. So how do you know when you're dependent on the vine? How do you know when you're depending on God's Spirit? Well, if you want to know, you want to know? Do you want to know if you're dependent on God's Spirit or not? Say amen. Amen. All right, if y'all want to know, I'll tell you. Check your prayer life. What are you praying for? Who are you praying for? See, whatever you pray about, that's what you're depending on God for. Whatever you don't pray about, you ain't depending on God for that. Because you can do it in your own power. You don't need God. So you're praying to God about your decisions? Are you praying to God about how you feel? God, I feel just really unforgiving toward her. Are you praying about your relationships? Men, if you're a man, say amen. Amen. Are you praying over your wife? Daily? You know how I feel about that. If you're not praying audibly, verbally, over your wife every day, you're missing the boat and you're telling her, I don't really care about you because I can do it in my own power. We know that's not true. Men, you better get to praying for your wives. What about your deadlines? What about your purchases? Perhaps most importantly, what about your pastor? Hmm? I need your prayers more than any of those, amen. What about your ministry? You praying about your ministry? You praying about the decisions that you're going to take? See, whatever... You want God to bless, that's what you're going to pray for. So, talk with God. And not only talk with God, make sure you listen to God too. That's communication, right? That's what it means to depend on Him. But there's a third choice that I can make to help me change to become more like Jesus. And that is, I can choose my response to my circumstances. You see, there's a relationship between the resources of God and my choices. How many of you know that the Christian life is not a one-time event? Raise your hand. The Christian life is not. If you don't know it, I'm telling you now. The Christian life is not a one-time event where you come and you accept the Lord Jesus into your life and you're baptized and you become a part of the church. Oh, it's far, far more than that. The Christian life is an event that's followed by a lifelong process. A lifelong process of becoming more like Jesus. You're born again? Then you better get to working out your salvation. Because you don't work for your salvation, but you sure do work out that process for the rest of your life. And the more you use your muscles, the more you work out, amen, the more those muscles are going to develop. So we're to be developing Christ-like character, developing these things about Jesus in our own lives. And God has given us His Word, and He wants you to read it. God has given us His Holy Spirit, and you can choose to depend upon it, on Him. And God even uses circumstances, but you've got to know you choose your response to those circumstances. We know we can't choose what's gonna happen. We can't choose what's gonna happen next week, next month, next year. It's gonna happen whether you choose it or not. We don't have that choice. But you know what? I can choose how I'm gonna respond. I can choose how I'm gonna react when those circumstances come. Whether it's gonna make me or whether it's gonna break me. Whether it's gonna make me better or whether it's gonna make me bitter. Whether I'm gonna use it for a stepping stone for growth or if I'm gonna use it for a stumbling block for failure. That's my choice. What will, I, what will I do? How will I respond? You see, it's your choice how you respond to all the circumstances that come into your life. But you need to know that what really matters is not what happens to you, but what happens in you. Because a whole bunch of stuff's going to happen to you, but it's your choice, what's going to happen? In you, whether you allow it to change you for good, one person's going to come out a winner, another one's going to come out a whiner, one person's going to be complaining, and the other one's taking that circumstance and turning it into a, a, a mountain of gold. Character that's what Christ wants to develop in your life. Character, love, joy, and peace, patience goodness and kindness faithfulness gentleness and self-control these are the things that god wants to create in you to make you more like jesus and i wonder how does he how does he do that how does he produce this character of jesus in my life well what he does is he puts you in the exact opposite situation let me give you an example you want to learn love you want to love like Jesus, do you? Do you? Amen? You want to love like Jesus? Well, God's going to put you around some unlovely people. Amen? So what He's going to do. I mean, it's easy to love the lovely, isn't it? So, uh, would you like to learn the joy of the Lord? Say amen. Man, me too. But you know what God's going to do? He's going to put some tragedies into our life. To help us to recognize that joy is different from happiness. That true joy can happen even in the midst of a tragedy. You want the peace of God in your life? Say amen. You want the peace of God? You know, it's so easy to to have the peace of God when you're sitting on a beach in Tahiti. Amen? Getting that sun. Sipping one of them cold drinks with a little umbrella in it. No alcohol, mind you. But peace is really learned in the midst of chaos. Peace is learned. The peace of God is learned when your world turns upside down. You want to learn self-control? Do you want to (laughs) learn self-control? Y'all answered that one the same way I did. I didn't say nothing. But let me tell you how God's going to teach you self-control. He's probably going to move you right down the street from a Dairy Queen. (laughs) See what kind of control you got then, amen? He places us in the opposite situations in order to help us grow our Christ-like character. So what do you want to change most about you? Are you the me you want to be? The power to change comes from God's power and your choices. When you choose to do the right thing, then God says, I'll give you the power. God will work it in. When you start working it out, he'll do it through his word, he'll do it through his spirit, and he'll do it even in through your circumstances. But it starts with what you think about, it starts with who you depend upon, and it starts with how you respond to your circumstances. Today, you have an opportunity to respond. An opportunity to respond to God's word. An opportunity to respond to God's gift of forgiveness for your sins. You have an opportunity to respond to God's gift of eternal life for your soul. And if you can bring yourself to respond correctly, you can have all those things. All you got to do is make the choice Say choice got to make the choice the choice to believe that jesus died for you that jesus was buried in a grave for you and that jesus rose again from that grave for you but can i tell you that your eternal life is your choice you're going to live eternally did you know that the question is where Are you going to live eternally with God or eternally separated from God? I pray this morning you make the right choice. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much when your word speaks so clearly. Lord, that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and that you will work in us both to will and to do, for your good pleasure. Father, help us become more like Jesus. And we know that the very first step is taking that step of faith. That step of faith that says, I don't know all the details. I don't need to know all the details. All I know is that Jesus died for me. And so I'm going to take that step and believe. I'm going to make the choice. Father, help someone to make that choice this morning.